Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we are lucky to have the keynote speaker at the 10th Annual Alumni of Color Conference here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, Dr. John Jackson, who is president and CEO of the Schott Foundation. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be with you. A good place to start before we jump into maybe what your keynote speech is about. Um, give us a little framing about what you do at the Schott Foundation and what it stands for. Well, as president of the foundation, I lead our effort to provide resources to ensure that all students have a fair and substantive opportunity to learn. What does that mean? We we hold as a high value ensuring that the voices of the communities impacted by education reform are elevated, parents, students. And we believe that the policy reforms that are put in place should ref reflect those community values. Um, you can't necessarily help the individuals that you have not had a conversation with, you haven't listened to. So through our philanthropy, we have always held in high regard um, elevating the voices of communities impacted, grassroots organizing, systemic policy reform, and building public will. A couple of your most joyous experiences as part of the Shop Foundation and some of the initiatives and work that you've been doing both in Cambridge and, and around the country. Well, uh, part of the work that we do is to highlight um, the disparities that exist across the country. Now, I won't say that it's a, a joyous occasion because it, these are real opportunities lost for real individuals. But where there is opportunity through that process to um, put in place policy reforms that will move the lever, um, where there are parents who are now um, willing to organize, willing to run for the school board, um, willing to make their voices heard, um, those are the types of uh, things that we identify as progress. You know, the, the challenge is in our, in our country, we often look at uh, progress by measuring, you know, the politics of the situation. What are the polls saying? And uh, did we win this battle? But we are in the business of movement building. And so we measure progress by the families that we're able to engage, um, the policies that we are able to impact and the lives that we're able to touch. You're about to give the keynote address at the this year's conference called Dis Disrupting the Discourse, Discussing the Undiscussable. Not everyone's going to make it to the to the keynote. Not everyone is going to you know, be here. You're about to give it. What's your under-a-minute synopsis of what you're going to say, if that's even possible? Well, in our country right now, the discourse is around the achievement gap. There's an achievement gap, the achievement gap, performance-driven achievement gap. We measure it, we test it, we evaluate it. But no one's talking about the opportunity gap um, that we have to address in order to impact the achievement gap. Um, I believe that we, if we want to begin to close the achievement gap, we first have to begin to address the fact that there are not opportunities offered uh, to some students based on where they live and who they are born to. Um, we are essentially measuring uh, whether or not uh, some children can swim in pools with no water. And so our goal- That's a great metaphor. Well, our goal has to be to first um, have an accountability system that ensures that there's opportunity for all students, that they are able to uh, go through the transformative experiences where learning can occur, because all students can achieve at a high level. 
curious about toolkits. We discuss a lot in ed reform and the toolkits necessary for transformative uh, reform. Uh, you're a lawyer. Right. You have an EDD. Right. You've worked in the federal government. you worked in private. You've done all sorts of different things. One might argue that you have all the tools. Uh, what have you found to be some of your most useful tools that you've been using and things that you maybe strive to, uh, to improve upon? <laughs> the most useful tool is the ability to listen. It, indeed, if we listen to the parents, if we listen to the students, they're telling us what challenges need to be addressed. They're, the parents are telling us that their children don't have access to early childhood education. Um, the, the students are telling us that they are being, in many ways, pushed out or left out. Um, are we willing to invest the resources to address the fact that all children should have access to early child education? Are we willing to develop the type of pipeline um, where we fix the breaches that are pushing out our children, whether it's suspension and expulsion pro processes or something about the educational process where they don't feel engaged? Now, that's much more difficult than you know, giving a speech, much more difficult than um, a budget line increase. My, the, the tool that we need is the, t the ability to listen and then take those values, take what we're hearing, and um, convert those into policies that provide opportunity. I ask you some of the greatest challenges of your work. Would you, would you say that people just aren't listening out in the sector? You, it's, it's the unions fighting with the charters, and it's, it's people never agreeing on one. Is it not finding common ground and not listening? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I, th I think it's... Um, we all enter with uh, an agenda. And we would prefer often to take care of what is uh, politically feasible, do what's politically feasible in instead of what's educationally sound or morally right. Um, few people will debate that all children should have access to early child education. The data is clear. If you're in the business sector, re the return on investment is clear. But we don't because it's not politically feasible. And that's why we invest in the organizing and the uh, to make an impact in systemic policy reform because it's what's necessary. As I've gone to a number of countries across the country, they make significant investments ensuring that uh, children have access to early education as a start. Um, and then there are other checkpoints along the way to ensure that their students stay in a pipeline to provide them an opportunity to learn opportunity gap to decrease it in five years who needs to get into a room together and have these discussions well I think parents students um, teachers principals policymakers and of course I put policymakers last because I think policymakers have the responsibility of listening to those groups that come before because those are the groups that bring the expertise to the table. You know, it's funny, as I've gone to Singapore, Shanghai, and other countries that are out competing us right now, um, their system is set up where the thought leaders, the thought leadership comes from those individuals, the teachers, the practitioners who are actually doing the, wor the work. We have it in this country reversed, where uh, in too many cases, it's the um, policymakers who are shaping policies that are really the result of a political process more than it is a result of a process to um, address the, the problem. Certainly a lot of people at this conference look up to you as a role model in education and, and a proud alum of the school um, of two degrees, master's and doctorate degree. Uh, who do you look up to? 
in terms of who are your role models that motivate you and transform your thinking into being hopeful that the sector can be really changed? You know, when I wake up in the morning, um, you know, I think about those individuals who are living in, in spaces right now where they know and they f don't feel that they have the, the opportunity, but yet they go and they go through the struggle. Um, those parents that I meet in New York um, who are working full-time jobs, come home, they help their children with their um, homework, and then they go out to become advocates for the type of systemic change. Those are my, my role models, the living role models. There are those who have come before, my grandmother, um, those education advocates and legal scholars like Thurgood Marshall, but then the rare, very real role models, the, the young people who are in the system and still fighting to make the system better, those are the people that I work for today. You are president and CEO now. You used to be a student. What do you miss about being a student here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education? Or maybe you don't miss anything. Uh, I miss the, um, the breaks in between class where you could catch a nap. That doesn't happen <laughs> often uh, these days. Um, it, it's a very important, Harvard is a place where there are tremendous resources and great scholars. And to be able to access that, you know, within any given week, um, I, I think is something to be cherished. Um, and, you know, that's a part of what I, what I miss. And that's, I think, what makes Harvard so special, but also gives Harvard such a responsibility uh, during this season. And maybe the good veggie chili from Gutman. Right. From, from Longfellow. <laughs> that must be new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where can people find out more about the Shaw Foundation or your work or your local? Can people help out from the Boston area or what can they do to get in touch with you? Right. Well, number one, our website, you can go to www.shotfoundation.org. Uh, we also have a campaign, the Opportunity to Learn campaign at www.otlcampaign.org. And in both of those places, they can find resources, data, um, information on how to engage in campaigns, uh, whether they're in New York, uh, Massachusetts, Arkansas, and some of the other places where we're working. So um, the important thing is to get engaged, and we try to develop the tools that will allow them, regardless of where they are, to do just that. Dr. Jackson, we're going to have your keynote address up on our website at some point. Um, before people can maybe see that, what, what is the message that you hope one gets from this, from this keynote? What, you finish your conversation, you finish your speech. What do you hope everyone in the room feels? That, number one, all students can learn. Number two, it's important that we build an ecosystem and an environment where all students can learn that goes beyond what's happening in the schoolhouse and education. And number three, that is the charge for this generation. And it's not a charge just for one part of the population, but it's a charge for our country. We've had over 60 guests on this show, and we're always proud to have one of our own HGSC alum in these great positions of leadership to discuss with us. So thank you very much, Dr. Jackson, for appearing on the EdCast and for all the work that you do. Thank you, Matt. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.